CLNS's Patriots coverage is powered by our exclusive wagering partners at betonline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your welcome bonus. Good afternoon, everybody. Evan Lazar, Alex Barth, Patriots Beat Podcast here on this Tuesday afternoon. And this is definitely the most unique podcast I have ever done, Alex, as I am sitting here in the hotel lobby because I had to check out of my room. So I am on in the in the lobby right now sitting on a couch in the middle i'm not going to tell people where i am because i don't want any weirdos coming to get me but the patriots playing oh, oh mr Street. important mr yeah. celebrity doesn't want to get informed yeah. by the paparazzi <laughs> not the paparazzi i don't know i don't know who's listening to this you never know anyways uh yeah so this is definitely a little bit uh weird for me to be doing this from here but we're going to do our best with it and we're going to take you through day two of patriots training camp now oh, uh, joint honestly, practices with the eagles i uh, honestly almost made it weirder i i seriously contemplated eating a bowl of spaghetti during this show i am very hungry also i, I haven't been food shopping it's the only food i have you almost saw me just stuffing my face with spaghetti during the show uh full disclosure i did get a wawa sub right before we did the other show on 98.5 the training camp uh whatever you call it what do you you got a working title there alex it's the the training camp it doesn't really have a title the the training camp recap podcast over at 98.5 we did that as well today and right before that i stuffed my face with the wawa hoagie as they call it here in philadelphia and that was uh very very good last night we were at chickies and pete's which is a basically famous sports bar here in Philly. I was going to say it was the fours of Philadelphia, but now fours oh, original, doesn't, sad. doesn't even exist anymore. So it's not really the fours, but that that is typically up there in terms of top 10 greatest sports bars in the country. That was a whole lot of fun. And we are going to get into day two of joint practices here today, just to kind of paint the picture of the day for everybody. It was a very brisk hour and 20 minutes of practice session, not as physical as it was yesterday, not as in-depth as it was yesterday. As Bill Belichick said this morning, the Patriots and Eagles worked exclusively in the red zone today. A lot of seven-on-seven works for both sides of the field, or both sides of the ball, I should say. So a ton of passing, a ton of seven-on-seven, a ton of red zone stuff. And we can talk about it all, starting with the quarterbacks. A much sharper Cam Newton out at Tuesday's practice. And I have a theory as to why he played well today versus yesterday. But I'll just take you through some of the throws first, and then we can talk about some of the specifics of why I feel that maybe this is happening with Cam. A 13-15 overall, Christian Wilkerson had a drop. So he's really 13-14 because if you count the drop in favor of Cam, it was a catchable pass that should have been caught by Wilkerson in the back of the end zone for another touchdown. So he was really good. He was on fire for a while there. Now, the Eagles did sort of feel like he was checking it down a whole lot, but in my eyes, Alex, he was taking what the defense was giving him. He wasn't forcing the ball down the field just to force the ball down the field. And I felt like it was a good decision-making type of day for Cam. He got the ball out quickly. He threw it accurately. And like I said, towards the end of practice, he definitely found a rhythm and threw, I want to say, four or five consecutive touchdowns at one point. So it was really a much better day from Cam Newton today. Yeah, and I think, you know, that checkdown thing, checkdowns aren't necessarily a bad thing. It's it, it just means you're making the right reads. It means you're not forcing the ball down the field. So obviously I wasn't there. I can't assess it in person. Um, but, yeah, no, I it, it sounded like it was a better day. And we talked about, too, yesterday the offensive line may be struggling a little bit, and it sounded like they had a better day today. Yeah, I got some people going by me in the lobby right now. That's the background noise that that you're hearing. Uh, Like I said, we're going to do our best and push through this right now. But I want to talk about why I feel that this is happening. Because, Alex, remember the first, what was it, four or five days of training camp, the Patriots back in Foxborough worked almost exclusively in the red zone as well. And a lot of questions to Bill Belichick about why, when were they going to get outside into the twenties and when were they going to start to go on drives and do the whole thing. And he was talking about how the red zone is this shorter compact space that they have to make quick decisions in and get the ball out and make precise movements and things like that. And I think what we see with cam and the reason why I brought up the first five practices is because the narrative out of those first five practices is that this was an improved Cam Newton. Remember, we, we really yeah. thought that he had taken a step forward in this offense and he was getting the ball out on time. He wasn't holding as much as in the pocket. He wasn't turning the ball over as much. And my theory is, and I want to hear your opinion on this, 
is that when the Patriots operate these practice sessions in tight in the red zone, the area of the field is requiring Cam Newton to speed up his process, right? And when you get into that area of the field and when it's so compact, you don't, you can't afford to hold on to the football. You have to make a quick decision and you have to get rid of the ball. Whereas I think when they get out into the field between the twenties, Cam, the sort of holding the ball and that kind of tendency started to creep back in for him. So then we get back in the red zone with day two of joint practices, and it feels like the ball is coming out quickly again. The ball is coming out on time. So something tells me that something goes off in Cam Newton's head when he's in the red zone and he says, wow, I need to be quicker here. I need to be more precise here. I need to get the ball out faster. And then when he gets between the 20s, he wants to hold the football a little bit more. So maybe the situation is causing Cam Newton to speed up his process and look better in the red zone practices versus the practices where they're in between the 20s. That's an interesting theory. I Yeah, I, I, I don't totally disagree with that. I wonder if some of it too is, I don't know, this is a really crude analogy. I can't figure out how, how to explain it better. Um, remember like growing up the first day of school or like when you first move into a new apartment, right. And like, I'm not the cleanest person. I'm not the messiest, but I'm not the cleanest. Right. But you, you first move in or it's the first day of school. You got your desk, right. And everything's clean. Everything's where you want it to be. You're like, I'm going to stay on top of this. I'm going to keep this up. And then in like two weeks, you kind of just get back in your normal routine. Like, right. does that, does that register? Like, I wonder if for Cam, it was just the start of camp. He had this whole thing that he, you know, he was, I'm going to do this and this and this. And then just by playing so much, he's kind of regressed back into the guy he was last year. And I don't think he's totally regressed back, by the way. Let me say that. I do think it. he has been me better too. than he was last year, especially when it comes to ball placement, which is a big thing. But I wonder if it, you know, I wonder if there's some complaint. Comp, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Why can I say complacency? Complacency. complacency. Thank you. There you go. I wonder if there's some complacency with him. And, you know, he said the other day that, the joint practices broke up the monotony of camp. And he's not the only one who feels camp's monotonous. I think a lot of players feel that, but I wonder if, you know, you just kind of got into the dog days of the summer and that's what it was. I think that's a great point too. I think there's a, a chance. And I also think that in the, when you're dealing with small sample sizes, right. When you're dealing with the oh, three practices, four practices, none of them in pads. And now we have seen the entire sample of 15 practices with a bunch of them in pads now two joint practices with the Eagles so we've seen a lot more football at this point so there are going to be ups and downs and and I think that that's sort of what we've seen from Cam but a very strong day from Cam today and I think the one specific thing we mentioned the check downs thing I actually took that as a good thing again and we're going to get to in in a second why because Mac Jones was on the other side of the spectrum at one point and it, and it came back to bite him. And the other thing is, is working those short little routes inside the formation. Jacoby Myers had a huge day today. He had six catches during team drills, working those little option routes off leverage to the running backs, to guys like Myers, Bourne. Cam was very sharp working the underneath coverage. So even though they were checkdowns in uh, Kavon Wallace's mind, I sort of felt like that was – what he should be doing because that was what the defense was giving him. And at every check down, every three or four yards in the red zone, you're creeping a little bit closer to the goal line. Right. And especially with this offense, you get them down to the one or the two. Well, now a bully ball comes into play and you just pull the other team over and get the ball in the end zone. So it does feel like that is the best thing for this offense sometimes. And and that's good that Cam Newton was willing to take those opportunities underneath the defense and not push it into tight coverage just for the sake of throwing the football down the field. On the other side, Mac Jones uh, definitely had some moments today that were good, but the one thing that I think really stood out to everybody was the interception middle of or so of practice in terms of seven on sevens. He tried to force a ball to Devin Asiasi. TJ Edwards, the linebacker for the Eagles, picked it off. There were actually three Eagles that I think would have picked off the pass before it got to Asiasi. There was no chance on the throw whatsoever. Asiasi was definitely not open. And this was for the second day in a row. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday as well. For the second day in a row, we've seen Mac Jones throw the ball up for grabs in spots that you would definitely wouldn't want to see him put the ball. In day one, it was on deep balls to Gunner and Christian Wilkerson where he was throwing into the safety rotation and was nearly picked off. Today, he does get picked off in the red zone. So I do think he needs to make better decisions with the football. I, I think that there's 
maybe a little bit of adjustment going on there in terms of learning and calibrating what's NFL open versus what was open at Alabama and what he can get away with and what his arm strength will allow him to fit a ball into a tight window. But these chances that he is taking down the field, and I asked him directly about this after practice yesterday, I asked him, are you taking chances to see what you can get away with, right? Is it, are these practice interceptions? Right. And he didn't really go for that line of thinking. I think he kind of disagreed with me. He said, no, I, I'm. the goal is to string together positive plays. We don't want to be turning the football over. I got to fix that. So this isn't not that it was ever purposeful to throw an interception, but these aren't those types of practice interceptions where he's just trying to fit the ball into a tighter window to see if he can make a play there or not and learn from it. These are plays that I think he needs to cut out of his game completely. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, I, I've talked about it in the past that, that Brady has said he would, you know, test receivers and whatever in some of those interceptions. You don't throw test interceptions in joint practices. This is the time for valuation. These practices are key for Mac Jones winning that job. He's not going to test things now. He's going to use what he's tested and put it into action now. So that's a concerning interception because you don't want to see a rookie forcing throws. That's the kind of bad habits that, that you know, make it that those are the reasons why he's not ready to start week one because you can't be forcing throws. You need to know the answer before you throw the football. You shouldn't be throwing a ball that you know has a chance of getting intercepted. Now, sometimes defensive backs make great plays. Sometimes the ball doesn't come out of your hand right. But you shouldn't throw a ball thinking like even 50-50 balls, right? The quarterback's not thinking that's 50-50. We're thinking it's 50-50. You shouldn't be throwing a ball as your as a quarterback if you think that that's the throw. So yeah, that's that's a that's a throw I'm sure he wishes he had back. And that's again the reason why he's made a ton of progress this summer, but he's not ready to start yet. Those types of throws definitely need to be cut out because they're throws that are easily avoidable too, right? I mean, you look at the receiver. He's definitely covered, right? So there's no sense to throwing that football. The deep balls yesterday on Monday that he threw up for grabs were just bad decisions with the football. And those are things that should be able to be coached out of him, get, come out of his process, because that those are definitely throws that he can't have at this level or any level, really, of football. Now, the other on the other side of it, though, for Mac, there were a lot of positives. And that interception was his only incompletion of the entire practice, right? He threw 10 straight completions to end practice. He really did a nice job of working like Cam Newton, those little option routes off leverage in the middle of the field. He had James White on an angle route. He had Nikhil Harry a couple of times. But the throw of practice for both quarterbacks, Cam had a nice one to Nelson Aguilar in the corner of the end zone too. That was a really good throw in seven on seven. But they did have one early portion of practice where they went into 11 on 11s and Cam threw two passes and Mac threw two passes and Mac made a throw to James White. I tweeted about it when it happened live. That was what you look at that throw and you say that's why the Patriots drafted him 15th overall. That that's the Mac Jones that the Patriots need. Right. And what happened was I didn't see who it was that put pressure on Jones, but somebody came off the right side, was turning the corner on Jones and put pressure on him in the pocket. He was looking down the right sideline at the time in the first read of his progression. He stepped up in the pocket, eluded the rush, got his eyes back to the left-hand side because the right side was covered, found James White behind the defense on the left side on a corner route and dropped the teardrop dime in the bucket for James White for a touchdown. So that type of process, you know, the pocket movement, the progression speed, the timing of the route, and then obviously the throw and the accuracy, that's Mac Jones, right? That That's why I keep saying that I feel like he's a great fit for what they do and all these types of positives about Mac Jones. So that was the type of throw that made me think early on in practice is going to be another one of those days, right? That's going to be another one of those strong Mac days. The interception kind of put a little bit of a damper on that, but that throw in particular was extremely impressive from Mac. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of what it's been, and that's what you're going to get with a rookie. You're going to get those moments where where you see it break through, and you're going to get the moments where it doesn't. And I've kind of talked about this from the beginning. It's you know not necessarily about Mac Jones becoming a more talented football player, per se. It's just about him becoming more consistent. And that Bill Belichick's talked about this, that the number one thing he's looking for at that position is consistency. So, and I'm not saying that Cam's been the most consistent quarterback, but again, I think, I, I don't think, Matt can be as good as Cam because Cam has just built in advantages between the experience, what he gives you with his legs, all of that. Mac has to be better, significantly better. And that comes with the consistency. And I just don't know that we've seen that consistency yet from him. We haven't yet. We, ha we 
we need to see a clean practice from Mac Jones, right? Or one that he doesn't turn the football over, one that he doesn't put the football up for grabs like he did on Monday where he didn't actually have an interception in practice. But there were two instances where he easily could have been picked off. I talked about it in Monday's show. Basically, on those two throws yesterday, Christian Wilkerson and Gunnar Oshevsky turned into the defensive backs and their Eagles safety was the wide receiver, right? And they had to play defense to make sure that the ball wasn't intercepted. So those are the types of plays that can happen. Let's talk about these wide receivers. I wanted to talk about the tight end situation in a second as well. But because today was so heavy on seven on seven, we had a lot of opportunities for reps for the wide receivers as well as the quarterbacks. Do you want to start with the good or the bad, Alex? Um, I feel like we're just kind of negative about the quarterback. So let's start with the good. Okay. Nikhil Harry had another strong day of practice out there today, sitting on the goal line in between zone coverage, finding those soft spots, making himself available for the quarterback. He had two touchdowns in seven on sevens. He had another good grab in one-on-ones. He lost another one-on-one, but overall a decent day for Nikhil Harry again out there today. And you see the size, you see that ability to make himself big and, box out and protect the catch point on the goal line it wasn't a high point fade it wasn't a back shoulder it was these little sit down ruts kind of like the touchdown that he caught against the chargers last year from cam on the goal line it was basically those types of same type of play same type of idea so another strong practice from Nikhil. he practiced well on monday as well at some point you got to show up for the final exam which is game day and actually play well in the games but still stringing together good practices and still making progress in practice. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, the joint practices, Bill Belichick puts so much weight on them when it comes to making the team and they were never going to cut him. I never believed they were going to cut him. I know people think I hate him, that he's good enough that they weren't going to cut him. I, I, I thought that there might be a point with, when you factor in the trade request that they would trade him just for the sake of trading him to get him off the roster, get him a fresh start, give themselves a fresh start. I think what we've seen over the last two days is the final nail in that coffin where they're not going to trade him just to trade him. Somebody comes along, blows him away, offers a top 100 pick, then yeah, you know, I, I still think it's on the table, absolutely. But I think he's proven over these last couple of practices because, again, they put so much weight on the joint practices that they he should be a part of this team, and they're going to want him as a part of this team if if they can work that out. Definitely brings a different skill set than the rest of the wide receivers, right? That group in general, inside guys like Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne, guy like Nelson Aguilar who's a burner but doesn't necessarily have size. Nikhil Harry brings size. He brings outside ability. He definitely has a little bit of a different thing about him than maybe some of the other players in that position group. And like you said, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said they're not going to just trade him just to trade him now right? The the conditional sixth round pick for Nikhil Harry, just because he wants out. I think that is off the table. I think he's played well enough in these practices that for the Patriots that have seen him every single day, just like us, I think that they can sit there and say, he's too valuable, or at least he's too good of a football player. I won't call him valuable, but he's too good of a football player to trade him for a seventh round pick right now. They're going to have to get a third. They're going to have to maybe get a fourth if they get something in return, maybe, or something like that, but it's going to have to be a, Decent draft pick, I think, to pull Nikhil Harry out of New England. So I think that that's a pretty good thing to, to come away with if you're a Patriots fan, that at the very least, maybe he's helped out his trade value. And not to take a victory lap, but this is exactly why I didn't want them to trade him before training camp, because I thought the buzz, the hype, the string together some good practices, put some good preseason tape on film, and you never know that that trade value could get inflated. And I, I think that w- that's exactly what we're seeing is if they trade him before training camp, they probably get a conditional six for him, maybe something like that. But again, he's, now playing, they might well, that, he's playing well. That conditional goes up, right? If he played well elsewhere, I still don't think I was wrong. If he had played well elsewhere, that pick becomes more valuable. It's all about what, what condition you could put on it. But That's yeah, true. no, I, 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 yeah, I, I think that they made the right decision by keeping him. I guess maybe I was a little, little off on that, but yeah, I think it, it now becomes tough because now you're looking at, you know, I'm sure we'll get to Christian Wilkerson, but you're looking at five or six receivers. You're looking at six running backs. You're looking at potentially four tight ends. It's just a lot of bodies in those three positions. I'm not saying they can't do it. I actually have that set up on my upcoming roster projection that'll be up tomorrow morning on 98.5thesportsup.com. But yeah, there. I, I mean, I when I say I got a lot of talent there, people push back. Who's their number one receiver? Talent doesn't just mean top end. I mean, they got they got depth there. They've got depth. So. 
I agree. I, I, I've never been – I don't know how much top-end talent that they have necessarily. They don't have Tyree Kill or Julio Jones or Devontae Adams or somebody like that headlining this receiving group. But I have been saying for a while now, now the tight end's being hurt, and we're going to get to that in a second, definitely doesn't help their cause. But in terms of pass-catching talent overall and the ability to move the football through the air, I've never been concerned about the pass catchers, and I still am not concerned about the pass catchers. I think they got plenty there in this group if they get the quarterback play and they get the coaching that they're expecting. I think they're going to be just fine in terms of the receiving talent that they have on this team. But one of the big caveats to that is the tight end position. And out there today, Devin Asiasi was the only tight end healthy enough to play uh, participate in practice on Tuesday. So the Patriots had one tight end. Uh, Fumagalli was there. He was not dressed. Hunter Henry was dressed but did not participate later in practice once they got into the contact portion. Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry were not spotted at practice. So the tight end room has caught the injury bug, right? Every, everybody's hurt in the tight end room. And on top of all of that, Devin Asiasi is coming back from COVID. So he's not 100% just yet in terms of conditioning and all that kind of stuff. So the tight end room is decimated right now. I, I don't know how much it matters in terms of actually practicing on the field these couple of days, but in terms of what it matters long-term, I think it will be a little bit of a factor once the season gets underway that assuming it is Cam to start the season, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, and Jacoby Myers is going to be sort of your top pass-catching group. How many reps in training camp have those five guys really gotten at this point? Because every these tight ends are constantly hurt. So the, the chemistry, the kind of feel for each other, the, the chemistry is the word. I don't know if that's going to necessarily be there as strongly as they wanted to start the season. Well, isn't there – have John Smith and Hunter Henry been on the field for practice together once? Like going back to the spring. I think very early. Right. It hasn't been a ton. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's certainly something you have to worry about. I think the rate that they've built chemistry with both Cam and Mac has actually stood out to me uh, to this point. I think that they've, you know, kind of gotten together at an impressive pace, but it's still not a ton. So I, I, I certainly think that's something, you know, worth worrying about. And that's where a guy like Jacoby Myers and even Nikhil Harry comes in where, at least they worked with Cam last year. So at least there's some sort of familiarity there, and that could be valuable early in the season. Right. And there's another thing I would say as well when you look at today for the Eagles, and we're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball for a second in, uh, in Philadelphia here today. Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard had great practices today. They worked a ton of seven-on-seven in the red zone. And as you would expect, the tight ends were big targets for the Eagles down there by the goal line. And the Patriots didn't have tight ends out there to throw to. This practice you talked about earlier, Alex, how important the joint practices were for Bill Belichick. Joint practice, red zone work, and your two star tight ends are not healthy enough to participate. That's just... It feels like a big opportunity loss for the Patriots. There's certainly plenty more opportunities over the next couple of weeks. They have the two games still. They have the joint practices with the Giants next week. So all those things are still on the table for them to get out there and do all these sorts of things. But they this was a, a really important practice, it felt like, in terms of building chemistry, building chemistry between quarterback and receiver with those two tight ends in the red zone, and they weren't able to participate. So that was a little bit of a damper on Tuesday's practice. Yeah, it certainly was. And it it, it is and it isn't, I guess, because you want these guys to be ready for week one, ultimately. Even if they have less time to get ready, you want these guys to be ready for week one. Part of the issue, I I don't mean to go back to this, part of the issue with Nikhil Harry, I think, was they – really ruined his rookie year summer right remember that game in Detroit the first preseason game he goes in he has a couple catches he pulls up with his hamstring and they put him back in the game and then he practiced for another day or two before he went on IR I that was that was a disaster I don't want to see them do that again so yeah it sucks they're not out there and everything you mentioned is valid but at the same time it's nice to see a different approach and them taking it seriously with these guys and making sure these guys are fully healthy to go for week one sure Offensive line, so heavy seven-on-seven practice today. There weren't a ton of live 11-on-11s where we really got to see the offensive and defensive lines go at it, but there was an extended one-on-one period earlier in practice, and if you're a Patriots fan, you'll love to hear this. Very first rep, Brandon Graham versus Trent Brown. Trent Brown 
absolutely stonewalls Brandon Graham, very good edge rusher for the Eagles. Next rep, Shaq Mason versus Fletcher Cox. Shaq Mason shuts down Fletcher Cox. Really good rep for Shaq Mason. Justin Haran had a few good reps in one-on-ones as well. Mike on when he won uh, one out of two reps. So a much better day, I would say, what we saw. Very limited, small sample, granted. But in the one-on-ones, the offensive line looked much better than it did yesterday. And then later in practice, 11-on-11 goal line work, the Patriots were walking the ball in the end zone uh, at times, running the football uh, with uh, Ramondre Stevenson scored once, Brandon Bolden scored once. So they were easily getting displacement, moving guys off the line of scrimmage in those 11-on-11 periods. So seemed like Carmen Brasillo said something to the offensive line about yesterday's performance. Uh, obviously disappointing to get your quarterbacks pressured as much as they were in practice on Monday. So they came out today. Again, small sample. Wasn't a ton of reps, but they were able to go out there and have a much better day. Yeah, and that's certainly good. And I talked about this yesterday. I think that there is just – because the Eagles offensive line struggled yesterday too – I think that there's some just you work against the same guys for three weeks and then suddenly you got to adjust even subconsciously. You know, you're not you're supposed to act like you don't know what plays coming. You're supposed to act like you don't know what moves are coming, but you're going to do it anyway. We all right. looked at the screen when we were playing split screen Call of Duty or split screen Halo when we were in middle school. Right. We said we weren't. We tried not to, but we did. Um, I, I think you just had to get used to seeing a different opponent. I honestly think that was a big part of it. And for the quarterbacks with the struggles yesterday, too, I think a lot of it was just it, the defense had the advantage in that sort of circumstance. So it was good to see them, see them adjust quickly and kind of bounce back today. Yeah, just you really. Laugh. Cool. You laugh. You were definitely a screen looker back in the day. No, I was not a screen you looker. You were such a screen looker. You wow. were absolutely a screen looker. Wow, I'm offended. We're at 3.59, Alex, and the reason why I bring this up... I don't yes, I would actually talking. wanted to bring this up, too. Yeah, so I just looked on uh, to see if anybody has broken the news yet of what the last roster move is going to be for the Patriots. The Patriots currently have 86 players on their 90-man roster, right? Because they don't have to cut it down to 85 yeah. until 4 o'clock. So at 4 o'clock, they're going to have to cut it down to 85, which means some sort of transaction is going to happen. I guess right now, in the next minute, we're going to find out, or maybe the next five minutes or so. Alex, do you have any guesses as to what the Patriots might do to get down to 85? So, okay, I got a couple. Um, I think, well, Troy Fumagalli not being at practice today, kind of. He was you know, there, but he was, oh, in, he, was, he, he was in workout clothes, not participating. Okay, so, so rule that one out, because I was going to say that the only reason I thought him is because he wasn't there late because they need the tight end depth at this point they need the tight end depth so um i wonder if jared stidham goes on ir i wonder if like i i wouldn't be surprised if it's an ir thing i think if they cut somebody they would have done it the other day when they cut those other four players and maybe it's a lineman you know uh uh, rj prince right one of these guys at the bottom of the roster uh maybe it's somebody in the secondary diversion but I just feel like if they were going to cut somebody, they would have done it the other day. I think it's going to be something with IR or maybe a trade. Who knows? Maybe it's a trade. Right. Because the reason why they cut the guys the other day was because they didn't need to bring those guys to Philly. Right. So that, right. that was, they didn't need those guys to come on the trip. So they cut those guys early. I a hundred percent am in agreement with you. I, I don't have anything confirmed in terms of who it's going to be, but the way you said that was nobody's reported yet. makes it sound like, you know, something. I, I, I have a feeling that it's going to be a particular player being placed on injured reserve, but I'm not 100% certain yet. I will tell you who I'm guessing it's between, and obviously you mentioned one of them already in Jared Stidham. The other player that I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up on injured reserve in about five minutes is Trey Nixon, the rookie wide receiver oh, who has not practiced for a couple of days now. Definitely seems like the perfect candidate for the Foxborough flu, right? Yeah. He's not going to be on the team this year, but maybe they want to work with him long-term. He hasn't been out of practice, like I mentioned, the last couple of days. He hasn't been spotted at practice. So that's my two theories. Is Jared Sidham can actually be moved to reserve pup to free up the roster spot, which will allow him to come back after the first six weeks of the regular season. So it wouldn't end his season if in the like placing him on an injured reserve would, but Trey Nixon would be the other th- uh, player that I would look at to say could potentially be placed on IR uh, to uh, figure up that last roster spot. We will definitely find out in uh, any minute now. So we'll could keep you Nixon, posted on could that. Nixon be placed on that reserve pup too? No, because Nixon practiced already. Right. Uh, this, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So he can't be on pup, but he can be on IR. And we, we kind of, 
if that ends up being the move, we kind of called this one. Not Again, taking a lot of victory laps today, but we kind of talked about this, that there's really not a role for him on the team this year, but he's an interesting player with an intriguing skill set that maybe long-term, once they – Nelson Aguilar is only on a two-year contract, right? Jacoby Myers and Nikhil Harry are coming up on their end of their rookie deals. You never know what that wide receiver depth chart is going to look like a year from now. And maybe he can be a guy that can make the team next year. So I think that there is a chance that he's the one that ends up on injured reserve again. That's just a a hunch, not anything confirmed. But Alex and I will keep an eye out on Twitter uh, to see what the final move is. Now we've passed the 4 o'clock deadline. So they have to make one more roster move to get down to 85. So we'll let you know. Oh, wire what that is. Wire doesn't come out till five, though, right? I mean, if nobody gets five-ish. it, it'll just right. be on the wire. Yeah. Right. I, I, the one guy whose Twitter I keep on loading is Jim McBride's. I have a feeling that Jim will know before the wire does. So maybe go look on Jim McBride's Twitter and he'll tell you. But anyways, let's get back to the defensive side of the football. And as I said, Alex and I will keep our eyes peeled for if that move breaks. Uh, that's going to get the Patriots down to 85 here uh, today, this afternoon, uh, league-mandated deadline. But on the defensive side of the football, I want to start with a, maybe a positive development and get into some of the things that I saw over the last couple of days that I was a little bit more concerned yeah. about. Juwan Williams getting reps with the starting defense. I want to say for the first time in his career with the Patriots that he's getting real full-time starter reps. Now, I have some theories about maybe what this means for Jalen Mills and that sort of domino effect of allowing Jawan Williams to play outside corner to move Mills to where he's going to play during the regular season as a slot corner or money back or safety type of player hybrid role on the inside of the defense. So Williams can kind of be a placeholder on the outside for Stephon Gilmore for right now, allowing Jalen Mills to play his more natural spot in this defense. But he also hasn't looked terrible out there. He had a nice pass breakup on Jalen Rager today. He's been effective playing out on the boundary. So I'm interested to see if this is, we talked about Nikhil Harry's light maybe potentially turning on. Maybe Jawan Williams is sort of coming along here a little bit. That would obviously be a massive development for the Patriots. We've talked about outside corner depth being a huge concern for this team. If Juwan Williams is actually going to step up and take that job and take that bull by the horns of the third outside corner spot, that's a great development for the defense. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I've talked about this going back to minicamp, how big a development would be if he could start to show up and we'll see what he can do in the game. But if he could take care and lock down that third corner spot, once Stephon Gilmore comes back, then I think that they're just in a much, much better place defensively than they were. So that that's certainly an encouraging development. I think we need to see it in the game as well, but uh, I don't, you know, somebody's saying he's not a shutdown corner. He doesn't need to be locked down. He doesn't need to be shut down. He doesn't need to be step right. more. He needs to be serviceable. He needs to be Jason McCourty and, I don't know. You tell me based on what you saw today. Like, is that totally out of the question? I don't think it's totally out of the question, right? We talked about the fact that they needed somebody to fill those snaps that Jason McCourty left behind. Jason McCourty played a ton of snaps. Now, Jalen Mills, I think, can do a lot of the things in terms of versatility that Jason McCourty did. But Jalen Mills, all camp long, has been a big-time liability at outside corner. And if you have to put that third corner in the game – I would much rather it be somebody that can play outside than somebody that is just another one of those money backers, right? That they have Duggar, they have Phillips, they have guys at that spot already. They really need somebody to break out on that outside boundary position. And out there at practice the last couple of days, it's felt a lot like if the puzzle has has fit together a lot better in the secondary than it was before because Mills isn't playing outside corner and he's back in the inside of the formation. So whether it's a placeholder for Stephon Gilmore and they're just putting Jawan Williams out there because they know they need to get Jalen Mills ready for the season and that's not where they're going to put Jalen Mills once Gilmore comes back or this is actually a positive development for Jawan Williams remains to be seen a little bit, I guess. But the one thing that I will reiterate, when Jawan Williams is allowed to play on the boundary, He's allowed to cover bigger receivers that are going to run go balls and stuff up the field and run vertically up the field. He is fine out there. He's not a game changer, but he's fine. When corner uh, wide receivers, excuse me, break down and they run quick slants or they run underneath routes and shallow routes and things there, there's horizontal cuts to the top of their route. That's when he gets a little bit more, I would say dicey in that spot, but at least he's not letting up the big plays. Right. That that's, right. I think, a positive. If you're going to let up a seven yard slant underneath you, just make the tackle. 
right? And and live to play another down. The big plays are the ones that you can't have. And he has he certainly didn't give up any noticeable big plays over the last two days. And that's that that's what you're looking for out of that third cornerback spot. Again, if he has to replace Devon Gilmore, that's another question. I don't think he's up for that. But if he's there to 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 supplement and to help rotate with Gilmore and Jackson, I think that that that's the that's always been the mantra of the Patriots defense right, is no big plays. And if you get nickel and dimed underneath, you get nickel and dimed underneath, just stand strong in the red zone. So I think that might be enough. I think it might be enough as well. But moving over in the secondary, I guess, or, or next to Juwan Williams in oh, the so secondary. Still, still nothing on this roster cut, I guess. Still they're, they're waiting for the end of this uh, dramatic Red Sox game. Yeah, dramatic Red Sox game. And exactly when we sign off the podcast, I'm sure, is when the roster cut will come through the wire. But we'll continue to watch. Going to the tight ends, not the Patriots tight ends, the Eagles tight ends, Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz had terrific practices out there on Tuesday. And Adrian Phillips really locked down both Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith pretty well in the practices in Foxborough. So with Adrian Phillips, you kind of hope that it's just one day or one bad day, right? And everybody's allowed to have a bad day. So you kind of hope that that's what it was for Phillips. Kyle Duggar continues to struggle in man coverage on tight ends. It's just not a role he's picking up quickly. I, I don't know if the panic meter is the right word for it, but where, where is your comfort level right now, Alex, with the way that they are going to defend tight ends this year? Do you Are you still confident in Adrian Phillips? Because you discussed it. When you go up against the same guys in practice every single day, you start to pick up on tendencies, body language, you know, route running, what they're going to do, and stuff like that. Then you go out there against two new tight ends and Goddard and Ertz, and they seem to have their way with the Patriots today. Yeah, I, I, you know, I won't put too much into one practice. Again, Phillips has been really good. I think Duggar can ultimately figure it out. Um, and they still have Devin McCourty. So I'm not totally out on them covering tight ends. I won't chalk it up to one bad day, but it's something worth keeping an eye on. I know people thought they sucked against tight ends last year. They did a little bit at the end, but through 12 games, they were the best team covering tight ends in the NFL. They had fewest catches against, fewest yards against, fewest touchdowns against from tight ends, and they went up against a wagon early in the year. They had Gasicki, they had Greg Olson, they had Kelsey, they had Waller. Like, through all of these guys, it wasn't until that Houston game when that random, I forget his name, you know, some some nobody blew him up. But, yeah, uh, Atkins. Uh, Atkins, Jordan right. Atkins, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I they were great against tight ends last year. They returned that personnel. Juwan Williams having to play on the outside, maybe take something away from that, but you also get Jalen Mills. I'm not too worried about it. I think it's been a little bit of an overstated concern. So I think with Kyle Duggar, because I get this question a lot and I see it a couple times in the chat right now, what, what exactly is it that Kyle Duggar is forcing Kyle Duggar to struggle in that role in man coverage? And the thing that I noticed so much with him, especially in off-man situations, so when he's not pressed up on the line of scrimmage against the tight end, and it's difficult when especially it's impossible almost when a tight end's in line, you can't press him, right? You just can't. It's just not the way that it's drawn up when he's detached from the formation. You can press a little bit more, but if the tight end is running from an inline alignment or a slot alignment, it's pretty difficult to play press man out of those two spots. Usually there is some semblance of either soft press or off man coverage. And what that tends to have happen a lot for defensive backs is they're in a situation where a receiver is running at them five, six yards down the field. And when the receiver is running at them, the corner or the defensive back is standing pretty much still, right? So you have a moving guy that's coming at you from five or six yards away and you're not moving already. So you have to be able to transition your hips, read the break, and then play catch up. And I think what I'm seeing with Kyle Duggar is that, as this fly is just killing me, flying around me (laughs) right now, I think what you're seeing with Kyle Duggar is some stalling at the top of the route, right? Because his feet aren't moving quick enough and he's not moving his feet actively enough. And he gets kind of stuck in neutral when the receiver breaks. And then he has to kind of get back into the play and he kind of has to recover. And that's, I think, where certain certain times – he struggles to do that. So if you're looking for exactly what it is, it's a footwork issue. It's a technique issue. It's not an athleticism issue. We know that. But in terms of footwork and technique, he has to get do a better job in 
the guy that you really teach him will never teach him because he's not ever coming back to New England. But Asante Samuel is really good at it. Huh. And you have to yeah. find other core. Maybe somebody can come back and teach him how to do it, whether it's Pat Chung or Rodney Harrison or whoever it might be. But you have to learn how to transition your hips at the top of a route and how do you work your feet, whether it's a T-step or it's a pedal or whatever it is, you have to be able to have some sort of technique. A lot of guys teach the T-step because you're able to drive on the football better, but it's risky. Asante Samuel was really good at the T-step, but it's an, it's a risky move to make. So in order to be able to figure that technique out, you have to have something. Some guys do what's called riding the bike and they'll just pedal backwards and then read and react to the route. Other guys use the T-step. There's got to be some sort of teaching point there for Kyle Duggar about how to get his footwork down. Yeah. And you know, maybe it's, I don't know, I guess who, who, who else could come back that could teach him that I'm trying to think. I, I think yeah. Pat Chung is the guy, right? That's Pat his Chung, number. Yeah. That's his number. Chung, if I remember correctly, Chung was a big riding the bike type of guy. So what he would do is he would flip his hips and kind of just pedal his feet a little bit as he was sort of running with his hips open uh, up the field and then read and react to it. Uh, Like I said, Samuel was a big T-step guy. That's that's something that you really need to be – it's kind of like jump setting for an offensive lineman. You either nail it and you get it 100% right, or it's six points the other direction. Right? Like it's right. one or the other. So you have to be really good at being able to, to run that type of technique. So for Duggar, I think certainly uh, the little pedal in his step, kind of like a deep safety pedaling backwards, right? That keeps your feet active. That keeps them choppy. And then when the receiver makes a move, you read and react to the route break. Yeah, I I think so. the other one I'm thinking like James Sanders was like sneaky good at that play. Wasn't he? Sure. So I, I'm just okay, trying yeah. now I'm just like in my brain trying to think of names, but I think Chung is the good, is a good one. Chung's the guy. You're right. Chung's Rodney the, I'm, Harrison's I'm getting too fancy one. with it. You're probably getting a little too fancy with it. There was a play Duggar made in zone coverage. That was very, very good. That just kind of has that lurker in the middle of the field. I, I that's where I, I continuously say that's where I want to, see it right that's where I want to see him play is in that zone coverage role as sort of a robber in the middle of the field instead of in man coverage but they seem really dead set on making him Patrick Chung and making him cover tight ends and man so that's what he's going to continue to do I guess other things about the defensive side of the ball that I would say stood out for the Patriots I do think it's an interesting conversation to have about Chase Winovich I wouldn't say he's done anything necessarily totally normal about or totally uh amazing or anything like that flashy at practice yet but yeah. that's certainly a spot that is very very difficult to come in late in the game because you have judon who's a stud you have uche who's looks like he could be a stud. You have Kyle Van Noy who's a very good fit in the system and knows what he's doing. And then you also have guys like Anthony Jennings or Deshaun Bauer, who's had an okay camp at times. There's just a lot of bodies at that edge position. And now Chase Winovich is thrown into the fire. He's already behind. So I'm interested to see what happens with him. It, it looks to me like he's aware, just watching him out there at practice, he's aware of, of the uphill battle he sort of has ahead of him right now. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, that group as a whole is just so loaded. I, I, I think his best chance is how rotational do they want to be with that group, right? And I've, I've talked about this before where the more you can rotate those guys in and out and kind of pick your spots where, where you use them, the better it makes everybody because they're fresher. So how deep do they want that rotation to go? I think that's what it comes down to for a guy like him. And uh if if they want, you know, how much do they want Matt Judon and Kyle Van Noy playing? Because I think those are going to be the two, you know, guys with the highest usage. Do they want them at, you know, 65, 70%? Do they want them closer to 80%? And it's it's tough to say right now, and that may vary game to game. But I think that, you know, that's a question. It's a good question. It's a question we can't answer, obviously, until the season starts. But that question is going to kind of dictate some of those guys further down on the depth chart. So the other thing I'll mention just really quickly, somebody in the chat about Chase Winovich saying that he should play inside linebacker. It's only been a couple practices since he's been back, but no inside linebacker reps, right? Yeah, all, see, that's all that's edge. a bummer. Yeah, all edge. But I, I also want to talk about the kickers here really quickly. Um, interesting. 
development going on with the kickers continuously. I, I think at this point, Quinn Ordean's been solid. He hit, I believe, all three kicks here today. There was a, set, a third kick that was a little bit unclear whether it went through or not. He was kicking from about 46, 48 yards. He looked pretty good in practice again today. But Nick Folk, that injury to Nick Folk has to be real, right? There has to be a legitimate injury going on with Nick Folk because he wasn't out of practice again today. He knows that this rookie kicker is got is putting on a show. He's got a leg. He can kick it, you know, make it from 60, right? We talked about this with the Ryan Allen thing with Jake Bailey, right? You, right. you hear from Adam Minicamp, oh, God, Ryan Allen hears that Jake Bailey is going off in minicamp, and all of a sudden he shows up to the facility and is ready to go. It kind of feels like that same sort of thing with Nick Folk, that if Nick Folk is actually hurt, this kicker competition that is very legitimate, maybe over already, right? If Nick Folk's not going to be back for the start of the season, then we might be talking about Quinn Nordine already. Well, it's not a competition if one guy's hurt. Right. If one guy's hurt, he can't play. So I, I, I still have Nick Folk on my roster projection right now because i think if he comes back in time for the season it's his job if he's not back in time they're gonna have to let him go and and maybe they oh he has practice they can't put him on pup maybe they try to cut nordine or cut somebody else right and and then you put folk on ir maybe it's a guy like jj taylor maybe it's a guy like christian wilkerson maybe it's an offensive lineman where you cut that guy you put folk on ir then you bring that guy back um, but it's, yeah, it, you know, it's getting really tough to justify saying Nick Folk's going to be the kicker. Again, I think experience plays a big role here. If there's two positions that they're going to want experience more than anything else, it's quarterback and kicker. Maybe, maybe corner is the only other one that's up there on that list, but yeah, it's getting harder and harder to justify that. It is. And he's got to get out there. If, he, if he's not healthy enough to kick, he's not going to be the kicker. It's that simple, right? I mean, that's obvious. So uh, I think that's another interesting storyline. I also want to bring up one comment here because I think this is just funny. I, I'm not even trying to start any beef with anybody in Philadelphia, but I just, I find this hilarious. So there was a couple of tweets going around uh, uh, today from Eagles beat writers saying how much the Eagles were dominating the Patriots in practice today. And this was one particular tweet. I'm not going to name names, so I'm really not trying to start any anything here. But there was a tweet out there that said that the Patriots failed to score on 14 straight red zone plays today against the Eagles' defense. And the ironic part and the funniest part about the tweet, Alex, was that right after the tweet was sent, or right before, excuse me, the tweet was sent, literally right before the tweet was sent, Cam had just thrown probably his best pass of the day on a touchdown pass to Nelson Aguilar. That's what happens. Right? And I just, for the life of me, I have never seen so many reports because people were sending them to me all all week. Oh, this Eagles rider is saying that. That Eagles rider is saying this. They were watching two different practices from the ones that we were watching. The, the, the Patriots reporters, we were all in the, in the group in, in the stands. The Eagles reporters were mostly walking on the sideline because they're allowed to do that here. And they must have been at a different practice than the rest of us because I saw consistent fibbing from the Eagles beat reporters saying that the Eagles, like this one, 14 straight red zone plays, which is just absolute BS. Like there was no – that never happened, right? That's just remotely not true. And I just find that so weird. What, why lie? to the public like why make up things right because well people think we do that all the time we don't people think we do i think that's one of the biggest misconceptions you're right because to a degree we don't care right what what happens well we just tell you what we're seeing we're just telling you what's happening we're giving you almost play-by-play of what is going on out at these practices and then we tell you okay cam had a good day mac had an okay day had the interception yada 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 then you can make your own opinions out of that right and for some reason the last couple of days out here i i know it's it's a stupid thing to talk about but last couple of days out here today there was a ton of lying by the Eagles beat to, out here talking about how the Patriots couldn't do anything right, didn't win a single rep by the last two days. There's a lot of – this team is in a lot of ways rebuilding, and so I, I wonder if that has something to do with it, is that they're trying to strum up some interest in the team, some hype in the team. Talk about Jalen Hurts. He had a great couple of practices. He looks really solid. He's a threat. 
He's somebody that's very difficult to contain. He, they can do a lot of different types of schemes with him because of his, his legs and his running ability. So it's interesting to see uh, what happens with this Eagles team moving forward. They definitely did have some strong practices out here today and yesterday, had some good moments as well. But I, 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 it's an interesting thing that you just make up all these lies about what you're seeing out at practice. Yeah, I mean, I can't explain it. I don't do it. I mean, everybody, look, everybody has their own internal biases, right? And I know sometimes maybe I've phrased a tweet or phrased a report that, you know, sub- I, I go back and I watch. I was like, oh, why did I say that like that? Uh, but, right, yeah, it's I, I'm not, I, I've never made anything up. I've never, you know, if I say so-and-so caught this many passes, he caught this many passes. If they didn't score for this many straight plays, they didn't score for this many straight plays. I may try to, you know, put context in it i may be like hey you know they didn't score for 14 straight plays but then on the next like the patriots then scored three straight touchdowns like i throw that context in there but right it's I, philly man i feel it's, it's an interesting tab i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say uh say say my my piece on people from philly but no me neither so. we can we can save that for an off-season podcast yeah i i am definitely stalling right now to see if we get this roster i can before tell. we sign off I don't think we're going to get it, which is weird because they had to, it had to happen by four o'clock. So at this point, all these other teams are coming out, typical Patriots fashion to hold on to this one. Like we said, it does feel like an IR move or a pup reserve, active pup to reserve pup type of move on the horizon here, though, for the Patriots. Yeah, again, I think if it was a cut, it, it would have been done already. They wouldn't have brought the guy to Philly. So I think Trey Nixon's a good one. I still think Stidham could fit as well. I mean, there's really. No place for him. I think Brian Hoyer is the better option as that third quarterback. That 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 roster spot is basically your scout team quarterback. And Hoyer is going to be a better scout team's quarterback than Stidham. He's a better scout team quarterback than just about anybody in the league. So I'm talking uh, about uh, Patriots legends, Jake Dolagala, back to the Green Bay Packers. Oh, let's go, Jake, baby. So Jake Dolagala going back and forth between I thought you were the, the Patriots. Sign Jake Dolagala. No, nope. no, nope. back to the Packers. He was just with the Packers, right? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, because they waived him. Yeah, I don't think anybody had signed him since he got waived, whatever that was, like two weeks ago. So, here right, we can we can take a few questions, and uh, we'll we'll stall till four thirty and see if All this right. move comes down on the wire. Uh, why keep Jared Stidham? Here's one question. We haven't talked a ton about Stidham because he hasn't been healthy. He hasn't been out there, right? So. What's the future hold for Jared Stidham with the Patriots, Alex? I sort of feel like he can still be a backup to Mac Jones, right? Maybe he's a solid backup in his career. Right. I'm not sure if he's got the Brian Hoyer thing with him about, the, you know, Brian Hoyer has got a great football mind. He's, he's basically a coach, right? I, I don't know if that's Jared Stidham's future, but a solid backup to Mac Jones is not necessarily a bad thing to have. It's it's not, and that's why, again, I think he makes sense to IR because I don't think he has a role this year. I wonder if, and this analogy is going to piss off so many people. You ready for this? I wonder if Jared Stidham is the um, what, uh, the Notre Dame quarterback. Uh, I wonder if Jared Stidham is Brady the Jimmy, Quinn? Is the, no, Jimmy Clausen. Jimmy Clausen. If okay. Jerry, Jared Stidham is Jamie Clausen to Mac Jones, Cam Newton. And that has nothing to do okay. with Cam Newton being on the Patriots now. What I'm saying is. I got what you're saying. The Panthers knew they were going to need a quarterback. They weren't in a spot to take an elite quarterback. Jimmy Clausen fell a bit in the draft. They took him to see what was there. Nothing was there. They end up with the top pick next year. They get Cam Newton, and then they ultimately solve their quarterback. Doesn't that kind of feel like that, that's what happened with Stidham? We're going to need yeah. a quarterback soon. Fell a little bit compared to where he's supposed to go. Eh, you know, if he turns into the guy, great. If not, we didn't invest a ton. He didn't turn into the guy, and that presented them with the chance to go up and get the elite quarterback prospect in Mac Jones. So, I know people are going to get mad that I'm comparing Mac Jones to Cam Newton. That's just a coincidence that has nothing to do with Cam Newton's tenure with the Patriots. But I actually think in some ways what the Panthers did in 2009, 2010 with Clawson and Newton, I think that's actually a really effective way to find your next quarterback because the guy won't always work out, but if he doesn't, it, it kind of pushes you into that tank. And if he does work out, then you have your quarterback. Congratulations. There you go. So I, you know, not a lot of people use that, that format, that template. I don't know why they don't. Uh, I, I think it's a really good way to build your team. So that's kind of, in a best case, I think that's sort of what Stidham is. Stidham's Jimmy Clausen, Mac Jones is Cam Newton. I understand how loaded that is, but if you just, you know, kind of step away from the angry button for a second, which I know is tough for people to do online, but th- that's kind of how it's played out. 
So, so I remember when we were talking about quarterbacks in the draft, and I actually looked into teams that have historically drafted two quarterbacks in the same draft. And sort of the poster child of that move is the RG3 and Kirk Cousins combination in Washington, right? That was worked out really well for them. RG3, unfortunately, got hurt, ruined a great career, whatever. But at least Kirk Cousins was able to come in as a fourth round pick, I believe it was, and play pretty well for for Washington. So that was sort of a model. This is kind of another way of going about it, I guess, with Mac Jones and Jared Stidham type of way. But that's similar, right, where Kirk Cousins uh, – yeah, the second overall pick, RG3, fourth-round pick in Kirk Cousins, the 15th overall pick in a fourth-round pick. So not too far off, obviously not the same draft. Uh, here, here's another question. Uh, who is going to be in Josh McDaniels' ear uh, with Nick Casario no longer here? So I think that this is a good opportunity. To, we talked a bunch about – Matt Patricia's role when he came back to the Patriots, but we can kind of give a picture behind the scenes look of what Matt Patricia has been doing. So yesterday in practice, Bill Belichick, as he always does at practice for the most part was standing maybe 15, 20 yards behind the defense, the Patriots defense and watching the Patriots defense. And that from that direction, from basically if you're looking at a coach's tape, like the end zone angle, right? That's what Bill Belichick was doing. On the other field, Matt Patricia was doing the exact same thing with the Patriots offense. So I think that Patricia is serving that sort of role of viewing those types of things. In the preseason game against Washington, he was in the booth with a headset, Matt Patricia was. So something tells me that Matt Patricia is taking on a lot of those responsibilities. Ernie would stand there with the arms folded, right? Like right. like this. Matt Patricia is not doing that, uh, but he does seem to be having a similar type of role. I don't know if it's so, so, such analytically heavy as Ernie Adams was, but in terms of kind of being an extra set of eyes for the head coach. Yeah. And then there's also, um, I was forget his name, Evan Rothstein. Is that it? Yeah. So Evan Roth, for lack of a better term, Evan Rothstein's the nerd, right? right. He, he's he's the guy that is doing the numbers and, and punching all the numbers. So I guess maybe he Matt replaces Ernie more than football guy. I guess maybe he replaces Ernie more than Casario if this is what we're talking about. Because I'm thinking right. like headset yes. down to the sideline, right? And I was talking to McDaniel's. I I don't know. I read this as like because Ernie had the direct line to Bill. I I for whatever reason read right. this as that. I'm sorry. I'm writing something about the Celtics in the background. Schedule announcement. Jesus. Alex. You, you got to do what you got to do. You got to do it. Do we have a roster Good cut multitasking. Here? Thank you. We do not. We do not have a roster cut. So in the interest of not prolonging this any longer. Well, I know, and, and I know you got to catch out, a flight. So I got to catch a flight. And uh, we, we tried to stall as long as we could. Are you going to find out. I am. Go- There's only one airport. Hide I'm which, going which airline? Now, I'm also staying because you made me feel like a diva. I'm. I'm staying at the Double Tree. I'm about to leave the Double Yo, Tree. Yeah, it doesn't so count no, now no, that you three, said it. No reason to, to hide it anymore. <laughs> yeah, nice hotel we have over here. Hey, uh, Philadelphia no, you, airport. No, you did this yesterday with Jet Blue. From no, you did this yesterday with Jet Blue. Until they cut us a check, that's all you got to say. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So yeah, it, it's a it's a good spot. It's really close to the uh, Eagles practice facility, so that made it easier. But Al, Alex and I are going to be back on the podcast tomorrow afternoon, probably around closer to the normal time four four thirty to break down a preview. I should say uh, preseason game number two against the Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday night. So we will be back on the show then, Alex. Anything else that you want to say before we sign off? Plug any of your coverage. Yep. Now is the 98.5 thesportshub.com. I'll have a roster projection up tomorrow morning. Uh, there will be a, a what to watch for up on Thursday morning ahead of the game Thursday night. Uh, podcast with you and Phil Perry recapping the practices from Philadelphia. Again, on 98.5 the Sports Hub, or if you go to 98.5 Patriots Audio, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find them there as well. Awesome. So we were just on that podcast, the training camp recap podcast on 98.5 together as well. So if you're not sick of Alex and I yet, you can go over to that podcast and listen to that now. It's a 20 minutes. Great. Listen really quick. Not as long as this one. So go ahead and listen to that as well on clnsmedia.com. I have two notebooks up in the last two practices. We'll do some sort of a game preview tomorrow or Thursday as well. And at some point I'm going to write the monster a thought on every single player that I've seen so far at training camp. I don't know if I'm going to do every single player. No, you got to do, do every just, player. That's how it, I don't know. If, I don't know if I need to do every player. We'll see year. how it's long it gets instead of 90. If you just wait on the right. Roster. So I, so I had, 
I have about 64 players listed right now and have legitimate chances of making the 53. I'll probably sprinkle in a few more there here and there, but I'm not going to talk about the guys that have zero chance of making the team. I want to know, I want to know what you think of RJ Prince. I want to know what you think of RJ Prince. That's what I think of RJ Prince. No. So you can check that out. That will be out on Saturday. I think I'm going to wait till after the game just so that nothing major changes. I always feel like when you write something like that, big before the game it it everything changes right based off of everybody else's opinions because you're not at a training camp so you can check that out on clnsmedia.com notebooks as well are up there as well and uh we'll be covering the game on thursday night uh from the home base i'm not staying here in philadelphia for the game so we'll have you covered on patriot clns uh through uh during and through the game as well we'll do a recap show afterwards and then alex and i will do the recap pod on someday time on friday but until then signing off for alex barth i'm evan lazar thanks for watching everybody Thanks for watching our content of the six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Please subscribe to my podcast, Patriots Beat, on our YouTube channel, Patriots Press Pass, or wherever you get your podcasts for a lot more exclusive content right here on the CLS Media Network.